Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Welcome, welcome, Sabbath morning. <laughs> Every time I say welcome, that's the first thing that pops into my head. And oh. I see it all day. Oh mm. no. You know what? Also speaking of that, so my mother-in-law was playing the piano the other day. And she had like the, you know, the app that you can use now that teaches you how to play. But anyways, you know, Greg being Greg was like, actually, this is the theory behind music. <laughs> so love my husband, but he, we call him Google for a reason because he knows everything and he's that type that will tell you everything. So he's going into it and he's like talking about counting like, you know, the, the beats and it has the four, four. And I was like, well, just so you know, sir, I know all this. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, um, I didn't just play piano. I also conducted. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, what? I was like, um, the Mormon choir and, uh, not the main Mormon choir. Let's be not, not the tabernacle <laughs> choir. Not, not that level, but you know, good old Sunday sacrament, you know, having to get up there and, and lead the music and count, which was, I hated it so much. Cause I was, I was like, I can't, I'm never on beat. I don't know. I can't. This is I pressure. Wish, I wish so badly that I had witnessed you in that. <laughs> in that role because I never did and I wish I had that memory <laughs> it's so bad I mean we, we joke about it but also like there's some of the most traumatizing memories as a child is also having to sing like solos or sing duets and I am not a songbird you guys know this <laughs> I sing on the podcast as a joke but it's also that's my best effort is when I'm doing that so you guys know not a little songbird, and I'd have to sing these things and be like, "Oh God, it's so bad." It's so and bad. and we sang them so much that we still remember them in our thirties after leaving the church. It's stuck in there. It's bad. Um. <laughs> anyways, Katie, how are you? I'm doing well, Sarah. How are you? <laughs> yeah, not. Not too bad. Um, I feel like every week is the same update. Still tired. Still chugging along with work. And Rory is sick yet again. So welcome the joys to nursery of, life. Of, of, yeah, nursery life. You go and there's just germs everywhere. <laughs> and you pay for your kid to be sick. So that's fun. That's and then you get favorite. sick. That's cool. I know. It's the best. It's, it's my favorite. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, do we have any announcements? We, I don't have any announcements today. So <laughs> everybody, Sarah prepared today's topic and I have no idea what it is. Well, I feel like it's, uh, expectations, manage them, Katie. Keep it low. <laughs> Keep it low. Um, so I was feeling a bit nostalgic the other day and I was thinking about when I decided to move to Utah and go to BYU because oh, I often get asked that question of like how did you end up at BYU or how did you especially like when I meet new people here they're like wait so you're from Georgia but you lived in Utah and then you lived in Berlin and then now you're in the UK so how did that journey happen and now I can say like well as a joke like God told me to go to Utah and to <laughs> Germany <laughs> that's where I was meant to go but I was thinking about in 2006, when I was trying to decide on what university to go to, because I was like, is it Georgia? Is it going to be BYU? 
I prayed about it. I pondered. And then I went into conference talks thinking like, okay, some words of wisdom are going to happen from one of these beautiful, magical conference talks that are Ew. so unique. <laughs> Um, and I did like if if I look back in my journals, which I unfortunately I've lost. I think or they might be at my parents' house, but my journals from like high school and stuff. It does talk about that. You know, I felt the spirit tell me that I was supposed to choose BYU, and I had like mm-hmm. quotes from talks and from. Of course you do. Of course. I mean, <laughs> why would I not? Um. So I was. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say like. Um, I can imagine you watching general conference and hearing them say something and you interpret it as, oh, that means I'm supposed to go to Utah. <laughs> I mean, Katie, that's, that's all it was, is that I wanted to get out of Georgia. And so for me, it was just like, that's it. God's telling me. Yeah. Like you. <laughs> it's happening. Um, so I was going across, I was like, oh, let me look up those talks to see if any of them ring a bell. So I didn't find the actual talk that I was looking for that told me to go to BYU, the talk that God whispered to the prophet who then whispered into my ear and said, Sarah, go to BYU. I didn't find that talk. Oh, dang it, because that's the talk that sent you to BYU. And to be fair, if you hadn't listened to that still small voice, then you wouldn't have met me. So It's true. (laughs) Maybe it was was Satan telling you, and he had the plan all along that we would meet. Yeah, sure it was Satan. It was going to (laughs) be sassy and was like, hey, girl, I need you to go to BYU so you can meet Katie and then become a heathen later with her and then create this podcast that is going to corrupt many, many souls. Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> but first I have Starbucks thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so but then I found this talk, which brace yourself for your blood to boil. Oh boy. It's called Nurturing Marriage. And as a matron, as a woman who was married, I felt <laughs> like these words. I can't even get through this without laughing. I feel like these words were for me to hear, to nurture. Oh, my marriage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And guess who it's by? Is it by Gordon B. Hinckley? Or wait, was he he was dead by then? Maybe I don't know. Oh, he no, was. no, that's 2010. I think is when. He, so he was still a prophet when I went to BYU. Okay. Uh, so think. No, I'll just tell you. It's Mr. Burns. Oh, it's Russell M. Nelson? It is. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mr. Burns. Okay. (laughs) It's Mr. Burns, but at this point, he was Elder Russell M. Nelson. Yeah, he wasn't the prophet yet. Nope, 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 not yet. He he was Elder Burns. (laughs) (laughs) Elder Burns, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so the first thing, the subhead, is marriages would be happier if nurtured more carefully. Okay. Okay. So here we go. My beloved brethren and sisters, thank you for your love of the Lord and his gospel. Wherever you live, your righteous lives provide good examples in these days of decaying morals and (laughs) disintegrating marriages. (laughs) He's coming in hot. (laughs) Decaying morals. That's my favorite. Decaying morals. Oh, vivid, vivid imagery. (laughs) And so, and then, of course, 
as as per usual with the writing template they have in place. You start off with the power statement and then you go into what? A story and an analogy. You have to have an analogy or an example. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. this is what we're going into. So as we brethren travel around the world, and side note, this is a little asterisk that I'm putting in on the expense of the tithing payer. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so you guys know. Sometimes we see worrisome scenes. On a recent flight, I sat behind a husband and wife. She obviously loved her husband. As she stroked the back of his neck, I could see her wedding ring. She would nestle close to him and rest her head upon his shoulder, seeking his companionship. In contrast, he seemed totally oblivious to her presence. He was focused solely upon an electronic game player. <laughs> During the entire flight, his attention was riveted upon that device. Not once did he look at her, speak to her, or acknowledge her yearning for his her affection. His Mr. Innocence... Burns, do you want him to like make out in front of you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just wants to play his Game Boy in peace. <laughs> crack me up, and this is why I think it's so funny because I, Greg and I always talk about this when we take a flight. Like, his parents will say, oh, did you guys book flight, like, you know, seats together? <laughs> We're like, unless it's an international flight, and now that we have a child, we will. But before, it'd be like, nah, like, we're fine to sit separately. <laughs> like, I just watch a movie, or Greg just has a few whiskeys and, like, constantly looks at the plane nav on the like where it's going across on the screen and I'm like leave me alone I'm watching a movie I don't want to look at where we are in the sky right now and you'll like oh tap me like look, look and I'll, I just have to say let's just have our separate seats we love each other but we are not nurturing our marriage according to this <laughs> article you guys are so funny I'm such a baby I have to sit by Scott and I always fall asleep on his shoulder oh <laughs> sweet they're like the most adorable couple ever or maybe or maybe I'm the obnoxious lady in this story that's just constantly (laughs) trying to get attention from him I don't think so I think you're just sweet and then there's just being like they're like uh we do we want to pay for extra seats nah nah Nah, we good we're good good. We're fine. Oh, man. Okay, so then he goes, his inattention made me feel like shouting. And these are all exclamation points. So just I'm reading it as it says. Okay. Open your eyes, man. Can't you see? Pay attention. Your wife loves you. She needs you. Open your eyes, man. (laughs) Open your eyes, man. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. So... (laughs) I don't know more about them. I haven't seen them since. Perhaps I was alarmed unduly. And very possibly, if this man knew of my concern for them, he might feel sorry for me and not knowing how much, how to use such an exciting toy. And <gasps> there, ladies and gentlemen, is a sexual innuendo that we always, we always look for. Okay? I was just going to say my mind went to a dirty place. Yes. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Well, sorry for you, Mr. Burns, that you don't know how to use such an exciting toy. Yeah, that's a shame. That is how you nurture your marriage. You just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get into the part that's going to make your blood boil. So his very next section is, but these, th- these things I do know. I know 
quote, that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God and that the family is central to the creator's plan for the eternal destiny of his children, end quote. <laughs> I know that the earth was created and that the Lord's church was restored so that families could be sealed and exalted as eternal entities. And I know that one of Satan's cunning methods of undermining <sighs> the work of the Lord is to attack the sacred institutions of marriage. And oh, the shut up, Mr. Burns. The world was not created for heterosexual marriage. The world <laughs> came to be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's so gross. <laughs> And then it also, like, I'm going to skip this one section because it's just like blah, 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 fluff. And then he goes to say, <laughs> I realize that many mature members of the church are not married. Through no failing of their own, they deal with the trials of life alone. But we'll, we all reminded that in the Lord's old, own way and time, no blessings will be withheld from his faithful saints. Such okay. a cop out. Exactly. So whenever I was Mormon, and we talk about this in quite a few of our episodes, but I was an old maid. I was like 26, 27 and not married. And I was like, oh, that's it. I'm never getting married. And this is my trial on earth that I'm just not going to get married, but it's not up to me because I have to marry a worthy priesthood holder. And it's on them to basically like find me as long as I'm being righteous. So I just have to sit back and be passive and just wait. Mm-hmm. What? How depressing is that? I cannot it's so believe depressing. That, I that that was my life. What? And yeah, it, right? And I know it's maybe meant to be comforting, I guess, in some way to the people who are older but not married. But I don't think it's comforting. I think it's sad to say, <laughs> well, when the Lord wants you to get married, it'll happen. And even if that's in the next life, that's so sad, especially it's- for someone who wants to be married. Exactly. It's so sad. I hate it. I found no comfort in that. And then, as we talked about in other episodes, when I found out that polygamy was in the doctrine for the afterlife, I was like, fuck that. So I have to not date, not get married in this world or in this life to then go to the afterlife, the celestial kingdom, and end up married to some guy who has 40 different wives. Right. What? Here's another layer to that, too. Imagine if you were you were in that same exact situation, Mormon, 26, single. What if you were attracted to women? Yeah. Then that's that extra layer of, well, I'm never going to get married in this life, not only because I'm too old, but also because I'm not attracted to men. So I'm just going to be alone and celibate my whole life. And then after I die, God will, quote unquote, fix me. And give me to a man that already has 40 wives. Isn't that the definition of hell? I would imagine that's the definition of hell for any woman, but especially a lesbian. Oh, yeah. They don't even take into account the people who are not attracted to who the church says they're supposed to be attracted to. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And and that was for me kind of like the, the... I mean, I didn't have that specific example or that situation, but even the whole like waiting and then just marry someone who has multiple wives. It was like, then how is that heaven for me? How is that a reward? I feel yeah. very much taken advantage of right now and fooled. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so then he goes on to say he divides it into sections, and the first one is doctrine foundation. Okay. Okay. The first step is to comprehend the doctoral foundation for marriage. The Lord declared that marriage is the legal wedding of one man and one woman. Marriage is ordained of God unto man. Hold on. <laughs> so God has also said to J-Dog, Joseph Smith, and Brigham Young that marriage is between one man and any amount of women. Exactly. They're contradicting themselves. They always do that, though, and they just assume people won't call them out. But now that they put their talks online so that you can go back and read them, it's like, wait, what? That's what I just read? Because <laughs> before, guys, they didn't have the talks online. So you would listen to General Conference or attend and you just had to make your notes, right? Mm-hmm. You just, like, wrote down. You were like, oh, my God, I got to, like, capture everything. I'm going to write, like, a novel because I got to make sure I get every single thing down. And now they have it on the church's website, so you can just go and download, and you don't really have to, like, you don't have to write what they're saying. You just mm-hmm. write down your notes of how you're feeling or the revelation that was given yes. to you. Although, but, Sarah, you did say it wrong. You, When we were Mormon, we wouldn't say, oh, my God, I have to write this down. We would say, <laughs> oh, my gosh, googly moogly. <laughs> or, oh, my heck. That's, oh, my heck. Oh, my heck. That's too much. Gosh. I takes me back. I can't even think about the days and I used to say, oh my gosh. <laughs> it does sound weird hearing you It sounds you weird say though. It. Mm-hmm. it sounds weird coming from you. Uh-huh. Or the fact that I say Jesus all the time. Like before it was like, I would never, ever. Say no, Jesus. that's one of the very never. worst. The worst things to say are, oh my God, or Jesus, or Jesus Christ. Those no, are the worst things I to say, say. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> that's even worse. Do, do you know what I heard the other day was Jesus titty fucking Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry for the for the vulgarity people I know. <laughs> I know. I feel I feel bad for the people who are listening who are genuinely still Christian. Sorry, did not mean to be offensive, but it's funny. It's funny to us. <laughs> funny. But we don't mean to offend. Um okay, so then he goes, Wherefore it is lawful that he should have one wife and they Dwayne shall be one flesh and all that and all this that the earth might answer the end of its creation okay i hate the be one flesh thing i know it really grosses me out yeah just the word flesh i know right (laughs) i don't like it and then he goes worldly trends to define marriage in some other way would sadly serve to destroy the institution of marriage no 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 (laughs) Sorry, I'm interrupting. Keep going. (laughs) No, he just goes, such schemes are contrary to the plan of God. Oh, schemes? Yeah. You know, Mr. Burns, (laughs) people getting married, gay people getting married, does not threaten traditional, quote-unquote, marriage in any way. You can still get married in your temple. No one's Uh stopping you. Just let people live their lives. It doesn't threaten you at all. Nope. It's just, it's disgusting. Like, he's obvious, it's not even, he's just blatantly being like, you can't get married unless you're hetero. That Mm -hmm. is it. Everything else is, how did he word it? Schemes that are contrary to the plan of God and will destroy the institution of marriage. Uh... And then he goes, scripture further reaffirms that the man is not without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Which, again, 
everything about scriptures and how they just literally don't make sense in terms of grammar or how that sentence is put together. The man yeah. is not without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. So they're inside the Lord. <laughs> don't, Thank you. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that? Also, happening? the scriptures are fake there. I said it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that too. So he goes, <laughs> He continues. Marriage is the foundry for social order, the fountain of virtue, and the foundation for eternal exaltation. Hold on. Okay, uh, wait. How is it the foundation for social order? There wouldn't be social order without marriage. What? I guess so. That's just their argument. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the fountain. I just love the fountain of virtue. How is marriage the fountain of virtue? I don't know. I'm, I feel like I need to renew my vows with Greg and throw that line in there. No, you do not. Is the fountain of virtue. He'd be like, what is wrong with you? He'd be like, fuck renewing the vows. I want to divorce you after that. Right? Not talking about a fountain of virtue in, in any sense of the way or the word. Sure. Um, he goes on, he says, marriage has been divinely designated as an eternal and everlasting covenant. Marriage is sanctified when it is cherished and honored in holiness. That union is not merely between husband and wife. It embraces a partnership with God. Husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for each other. Children born of that marital union are an heritage of the Lord, and marriage is but the beginning bud of family life. Parenthood is its flower, and that bouquet becomes even more beautiful when grace with grandchildren. Families may become as eternal as the kingdom of God itself. Wow. Yep. Wow. So you got to get yeah. married, and you got to have kids. And you then, have to. Yeah. And it always freaked me out um, how they speak about marriage being between a man and a woman and God. It just makes me think of you get married and then you're on your your wedding night and these Mormons are having sex for the first time. And you can't help but just imagine that that God's just sitting there in the corner watching you attempt to have sex (laughs) on your honeymoon. (laughs) Because he's supposed to be with you at all times, but oh, weird. Oh, it's so uncomfortable, <laughs> and it just makes me, it gives a bad feeling in my tum-tum. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Katie, in your, in your wedding, maybe oh, your honeymoon night, that's. No. That's you thought, want to maybe think about God being in the room with you. No. I get like a cardboard cutout of the South Park God and I just set it in the corner of the hotel room. <laughs> it's just wild. I mean, also the reason why I'm giving this giving this talk, old Mormon language right there. The, the other reason why I'm discussing this LDS talk is to prep you, Katie, for your your marriage. I you, feel like how you dare need to you? hear. <laughs> I feel like you need to hear these words. How dare you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it really 
funny. And, like going to marriage prep classes and where you're not going to really tell me anything about what happens in the temple or how to have pleasurable sex. No, I just need to know that God will be in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yucky. And then it's, so he goes on in this section and I read it and I giggled because it's just so ridiculous. Okay. <clears throat> Marriage is both a commandment and an exalting principle of the gospel. Because it is ordained of God, the intimate physical expressions of marriage, lo of married love, are sacred. Yet all too commonly, these divine gifts are desecrated. If a couple allows lewd language or pornography to corrupt their intimacy, they offend their creator while they degrade and diminish their own divine gifts. Mr. Burns, get out of our bedrooms. Stop obsessing over what we do in our sexual lives. Like, is he, he's over here saying, you know, he's saying that, like, you can't, like, have a little, little spank because... Because that's not sacred, and you can't talk dirty because that's yeah. not sacred. And you know some of these Mormons are doing some kinky stuff because oh, in the privacy sure. of their own of their own bedroom, and as they should. But then they hear this talk, and they're probably filled with guilt. Yeah, like, definitely. I mean, you know that they're filled with guilt, and it's just like, come on. You you not only ask people to not have sex before marriage but now you're going to tell them how they should have sex within marriage right and how their intimacy should work within a marriage it's just like it's just let people live don't uh, yeah like you said I just hate that they try to control even the most intimate part of <laughs> you and that you can't do anything that's outside of the most vanilla most righteous and sacred sex. Imagine how boring. I mean, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I love some vanilla sex every now and then, but like, well, and by every now well, and then, I'm yeah. Like, but, but it's yeah, exactly. Like, come on, this is. And you know that this is gonna get in people's heads. You know that this is gonna be like, you know, maybe a couple wants to. They they've only been doing vanilla, and maybe one of the partners brings it up to the other. Could we try? doggy style and then the other one's like I don't know is that sacred <laughs> exactly but I also love that you went so my brain went to and you're like could we also bring up I was about to say butt plugs and you went to doggy style <laughs> yes no that was my that was my point is that I you know doggy style to me is still like kind of vanilla but to some people it, that could be like wild and wacky if they've never done it right no so even the what? smallest even the smallest change up they would they might be afraid to try because of talks like this exactly <laughs> and I feel you know <laughs> excuse me uh, what I'm about <laughs> to say to people who are listening who know me on a professional level or family or whatever just get past this part but I remember also chatting as a Mormon. It was a big thing that like doggy style 
was like, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's like degrading to women. And like, you know, when you get married, like that's, you know, if your husband tries that, like you shouldn't do that because it's like degrading to women to do it doggy style. And I, would, I it was like ingrained in my head. Oh my God. So that when I first started having sex, I was like, oh no, but doggy style is like not intimate. It's not personal. It's like very degrading. And, you know, it's not of God. It's not blah, blah, blah. And now I just think back and it's like so silly. It's mm-hmm. whatever you prefer. Yeah. Yeah, do what feels it. good, what's fun, what you both like, right? And and again, this is giving me those vibes of no oral sex. Yes, yes. And, and stuff like that, where it's getting in people's heads and controlling their minds, even when they're in a closed bedroom with their husband or wife, they're still being controlled by the church. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. And also, I just, this is like a sidebar, but I kind of want to take lewd language and put it into the bedroom instead of being like, talk dirty to me, just say, give me some lewd language, right? (laughs) I'm saying lewd language to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah, Um, they're they're trying to control even what they say to each other during sex. I know, which, come on, it's (sighs) it's too much yeah and, and then he goes on he says true happiness is predicated upon personal purity scripture commands be ye clean marriage should ever be a covenant to lift husbands and wives to exaltation and celestial glory so again that's why when we leave the fucking mormon church we feel like we're disgusting and shameful and Horrible because they constantly tell you you need to be pure, you need to be clean. Yeah. That anything that's with sexual deviancy, like a porn or nude language, is considered dirty. Yeah, that's why almost everyone we've talked to about um, masturbation say that they've had that that feeling of being dirty afterwards because of the church teaches you that you're, mm-hmm. it's unclean and you're now dirty and unworthy, which is awful. Yep, exactly. So I'm going to skip through. They talk about the part on children, which we all know is just that's what they want you to do. Get married, have kids like that is your ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Can't right now. Um, (laughs) And then they also like he also goes into talking about priesthood and how that plays into marriage, because those of you who are never Mormon, I was going to say never mo, and then it just drug out too much. (laughs) Never Mormon. (laughs) Um, uh, priesthood is so you as a woman you want to find like a, a worthy priesthood holder who will take you to the temple because they will have priesthood authority and if you have that in your home then it's like most righteous and blah 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 blah, blah. so he talks about that saying that he so he goes as i meet with priesthood leaders i often ask about the priorities of their various responsibilities usually they mention their important church duties to which they have been called too few remember their responsibilities at home, yet priesthood offices, keys, callings, and quorums are meant to exalt families. Priesthood authority has been restored so that families can be sealed eternally. So, brethren, your foremost priesthood duty is to nurture your marriage, to care for, respect, honor, and love your wife. Be a blessing to her and your children. Mm. So, I'm all for, yes, care, respect, honor, love your wife. Yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. But this element of, like, they do it because it's their priesthood duty. No, just do it because you should want to do that as a decent fucking human being. Absolutely. Not because you have this magical power. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, the magical power of the priesthood that is the key that gets your family into heaven. So the man has all the power, mm-hmm. and you should do it because it's a sacred duty. No, you like you said, just do it because you love your family, and that's what a decent human would do. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Um. So then his section number two is strengthening marriage. And you know what? I'll give Mr. Burns this. I agree. So he has these three suggestions that he says to use action verbs, appreciate, communicate, and contemplate. Okay. All for that. I think, yeah. you know, I agree. You need to appreciate your spouse, communicate, and take some time to com- like contemplate before you react. All for that. Yeah. But it's obviously like they're only looking at it from a hetero point of view. So always the wives and husbands. Um, and this, they talk about being grateful. So he goes like, as grateful partners look for the good in each other and sincerely pay compliments to one another, wives and husbands will strive to become the persons described in those compliments. You could have just left out, they don't need to be grateful. Like that's that's that toxic <laughs> positivity again, right? Where I'm all about like, yes, have gratitude in your life. But in the Mormon church, it's like triggering to me because you're always taught that no matter what, you have to be grateful, always. Yeah. And you have to, in any situation, and it bleeds into your relationships, you have to, you can't, get angry or upset and feel your feelings and have your emotions. Like you can't do that. You just need to be like grateful and sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And that never helps anything because then it'll just blow up later. And they do, they say this to both genders that they recognize, which is only men and women. Um, They say it to both, but I, in my opinion, they emphasize this more to the women. They'll, say things like obey the priesthood holder and be Mm -hmm. grateful for his priesthood and honor his priesthood where if you do find yourself in a situation where perhaps there unfortunately could be some sort of domestic abuse or just even just an argument the woman is supposed to back down and be meek and be thankful and that can get very problematic very quickly if you find yourself with a not so nice man, you know? Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Yeah. And then, so when he talks about communication, can you guess it's not just communication about, you know, or like with your partner, it's communication by prayer. <laughs> I was going to say, it is, does celestial Jesus pop into the room again? <laughs> yes. He's like, Hey man. Hey, he's, hey, he's back. He's like, hey, don't do it doggy style. Will you do it missionary and I can watch and just talk to me while you do it. You can get yeah, the prayer in and the sex in at the same time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see hitting it from behind. I don't want to see her on top. I don't want to see reverse cowboy, like just cowgirl. I said cowboy. It doesn't I mean, matter. there could be reverse cowboy. Let's go. I prefer that. <laughs> I'm, be a rever- I'm a cowboy, so it's fine. Um, Yes. And then the contemplation section, which is just, it's basically their way of saying ponder. And then, and then he gets into this, which I think it's so ridiculous, the stretch. He goes, my third suggestion is to contemplate. This word has deep meaning. It comes from Latin roots con, meaning with, and templum, meaning a space or place to meditate. It is the root for which the word temple comes. Like, he took it there. He took it there to make a connection to Temple. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like, when I read that, I was like, no, okay. That, that we're going me, there. That gave me a genuine head turn cackle. 
you know, they always got to plug in the temple. It's got to happen somewhere. So he's like, if couples contemplate often with each other in the temple, sacred covenants will be better remembered and kept. Frequent participation in temple service and regular family uh, study nourish a marriage and strengthen faith within a family. It it nourishes the brainwashing, that's for sure, because you don't have time to think about anything else if you're just always going to the temple or having family scripture study. You're, you're in CES letter what? I don't even have time to read anything else. I don't have time. I'm doing my second endowment of the day. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, right? Ugh. Hair flip. I remember those like <laughs> your hair flip. <laughs> hair flip. I remember them being like, "Oh, how many endowment sessions are you doing today?" And I would, I was proud if I did one. If I made it through one, I was like, "That is an accomplishment." And then there'd be these other Molly Mormons who'd be like, um, "I'm doing two, possibly three today." Hair flip. Hair flip. I'm doing their I... little humble brag. Oh, I just did three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't have lunch today. I just um, had yeah. a bottle of water um, because I'm also fasting. Just, <laughs> imagine bragging about wasting <laughs> six to eight hours of your Saturday uh, doing meaningless hand gestures and and poking your hand through a glory hole in the temple. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That is like your idea of fun. And that's what you brag about on Monday morning. You go into the office. Yeah. And that's what you talk. We don't talk about it because it's sacred, but you just oh say, um, I had a temple trip with my church and I, I did like, three special ceremonies. Imagine, imagine if this was in an area that wasn't heavily Mormon too. And there's just the weird Mormon coworker that comes in on Monday. Everyone's like, What'd you do this weekend? And someone's like, I had a barbecue. I went and saw a movie. And she's like, I I spent eight hours at my temple. It was a really sacred experience. Hair flip. Everyone's like, cool. I got dressed up and wore a green apron three times. <laughs> my husband wore a Pillsbury Doughboy hat. Uh, uh, we kneeled across an altar and looked at each other in the mirror. That's representative of eternity it was great we stood up and down and waved our hands and went oh god hear the words of my mouth <laughs> not in a sexual way not in a sexual way not in a sexual way no <laughs> that was for later when we had jesus in our bedroom <laughs> we reenacted in the bedroom later with celestial jesus he was also there telling us what position <laughs> oh my god uh, okay, on that note, I'm done. Sorry, guys. That is the talk. I'm not going to... He also has this, like, song that he, he quotes, and I can't. I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to even read it because it's so cringy. But oh. it, he... Yeah, basically, we're just going to... We're going to leave it on that, where it, the last line is, because, because God made thee mine. That's oh. the last line, line of that song. That and sounds then, like it could be in a scary movie. I know, because God made thee mine. Ooh. That's creepy, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he says, to close it out, that each marriage may be so nurtured is my prayer in the name of celestial Jesus Christ. Amen. He didn't say Amen. celestial. Amen. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> now Nelson, now I think you're... You're like preps. You and Scott can now write your vows based off this talk. I just really wanted, you know, to give you. You you were really <laughs> looking out for me and wanted to make sure that I knew how to nurture a marriage yes. in, a, in a homophobic and cringy way. 
exactly my intention wow um, thank you for that that wedding gift i'm gonna have to share it with scott and i'm sure he's not gonna cringe at all he'll love the idea at all. i mean yeah. I, I was like going through it i pulled out some of the quotes of greg and he was just basically like stop don't don't even go further <laughs> don't want to know anymore <laughs> halt <laughs> or i just get the the, the glance over eye roll. Yeah. It just keeps going. It's just like, oh, God, Mormon Sarah's back at it. Too well, good. Thank you, Sarah. That was fascinating and just a journey. I'll say that. It was a journey. Um, I hope all of you take that to your heart when we leave today's lesson. Okay. Oh, yes. We all have been changed for the worse. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, friends. Thank you all. We'll be back next week. Be back. Bye. Bye.